The Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Would you like Yay. <laughs> Would you like to access bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch and more? Join us in the curiosity mm-hmm. shop at patreon.com backslash bones and bobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude. <laughs> And entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group. And that's where some which is super fun. fun stuff happens. Yes. You should come join us. Indeed. Because uh, you get to hear. Because it is actually very entertaining. It is. It, oh, we forgot that we've got a Yule Cat story. <laughs> oh, shit. We do. <laughs> Next time. I forgot. You told me when I had a fever. <laughs> Feverish little cats for everyone. Uh, I feel like that may have been where the Yule cat came from. <laughs> it is but a fever dream. So join us. Uh, yes, do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Hello, morbid makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, marvelously misanthropic hosts. <laughs> and I switched it. You totally did. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> this is Bones and Bobbins. Season two, episode one. What am I supposed to do with this tooth? Creepy gifts, both old and new. Very charming. (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to laugh at it. Um, (laughs) I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. Hi, I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official murderino maker Slash now about to be known as True Crime Creatives. Ooh. Yes. Very fancy. Very fun. Uh, so what's going on? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We made it through the holiday season. Uh, pretty, yes. pretty much intact. Uh, it was uh, good to get like a day of respite. On Saturday, which is the first day in, I am going to say since this pandemic began, that I actually, Mm -hmm. like, did nothing. I had no work, no juggling of, like, my children, like, nothing. Just, I, the cat. Good. The cat and I literally just laid there and binge-watched Bridgerton, and... Uh, I did not expect Ron Swanson to get so into it, uh, <laughs> but he was. 
Um, Ron Swanson is the cat, by the way. He is the cat. Not only is the cat, yesterday was his two-year gotcha day. Oh, Biggie's was last week, I think. Aw, yeah, two years ago. Yeah, the 29th. I walked into the Humane Society with my eldest, who wanted to check on the kitten that she was had her heart set on and was yep. in quarantine because she had some health issues so we went to go check in on her and this cat came just flying around the corner jumps up on the counter and just rubs his head on me and the ladies behind the counter were like take him now he hates everyone And then I heard this long tale of how he had been at four different homes and he'd been there for like six or eight months to the point where he was on clearance. (laughs) And he was only four. He's five now. But I'm like, how did he? They're like, he hates everyone. He bites. He growls. He's just he just is not a happy cat. And he has never bit never like it is i would send them stories on a daily basis and they're like that is not the same cat like what they were super confused but he he's never like he's loud he will talk he very definitely is a vocal cat but it's it's normal vocalness like i know like chatty chatty like hey i can see a hole in my in my food bowl and I'm too fussy to just push down because it's a big automatic feeder. Like he just is too lazy to push it down so that that little tiny spot of bowl he can see gets filled with food. Things like oh, that. Yeah. Well. Or during this, this holiday season where I was super like busy and up late working, if it got to be too late, he would literally pace from my room to where I was working and yell at me like, come on. It is time for bed. Like, cut it like, cut it off. And he's still, since the first night we got him, he will get, no matter where he's sleeping, which now is typically in my room by me, um, he would, mm-hmm. if he heard me get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, he would walk me to the bathroom and stand guard outside the door. Like, he is Aww. such a, just, oh, I could, I love him. I, I'm so happy that he chose me. He's definitely my familiar and I am his human and... He's a, he's an odd little dude, but he's our odd little dude. And, like, he, again, he's never, like, he's not, you, if you pick him up, he will just cuss you out. But, like, except for my wow. mom. Like, my mom picked him up, and it's, and he's a big cat. He's not a tiny little dude. So, and my mom is tiny, so she's holding this cat, and he's just got this look on his face like, I really want to protest, but she's tiny and I have a feeling I'm not supposed to yell at this one. So I will just sit here and look disgruntled as this woman holds me by the armpits. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, he's such a good guy. Oh. And he's he is very definitely Ron Swanson, just in, in cat form. So last night he got some sushi. He got some raw salmon for dinner. Um, oh, that's nice. Yes. And uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's like the latest with me, pretty much. It's funny because I've had Mr. Big stuff for two years as of the 29th. So, so... and I am his fourth home. Look at that. uh, From a, uh, although from a severe neglect situation. Yeah. Um, But... 
Very strange. Our lives intersected, and we didn't even know. Right. T'was destiny. Or something like that. Indeed. <laughs> well, I mean, cats decide. Right. Nobody decides on a cat. Yeah, nope, they pick The you. cats decide. That's it, yep. Yep. So how are you? That's true. Well, um, I missed Christmas. Yeah. Because I had a double ear infection. Oof. Because instead of being nearly 38 years old, I am apparently a toddler. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that happened on the 23rd. Then there was the scramble to get antibiotics on the 24th. Because, heaven forbid, yeah, like, everyone in the world needs antibiotics on the 24th. That's just how it works. <laughs> that the universe sets it up that yeah. way. Um, and so, right before I had figured out that I had an ear infection, I actually, I just thought that I had earbuds in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went and got an eye exam because it needed to happen and there was literally no one in Cohen's fashion optical uh, (laughs) on the 23rd. It was me, the doctor, and the person behind the counter. So that was great. I got that sorted out. It needed to happen. But then I got home Spiked a fever, it became clear that I had a double ear infection. And then I decided, a very, very bold move, to go ahead and order new glasses on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, uh, I ordered four pairs. Um, only one pair has come thus far, That's and I am currently pair. wearing them. I like it. And... They, they work. Um, I did, for some reason, get transitions lenses in them. Okay, that's a very bold move. I, I, straight out of 1992. (laughs) I, at least you didn't go with blockers. (laughs) Oh, I've got blue blockers too. The big wraparound ones? Do you remember the big old... Oh, no. I do have those. <laughs> um, they're great for driving at night in the snow. Ooh, that's a good... If ever you need to drive someplace and the weather is, like, the weather that you shouldn't be driving oh, someplace that was in. us coming back uh, Christmas when we left that Sunday. Yeah. was pretty questionable. Yep. Those glasses are, like, the orangey-yellowy ones are perfect. For that, that's what they're made for, actually. Wow. Yeah. And now I'm going to um, embarrass. Thanks, me. Cop Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to embarrass my children and order some. I mean, they're great. They fit over my glasses because they're made to do that. Um, but anyway, I got blue blocking lenses in all of the new glasses. So that's. Yes. That's good. Yay. Um, I can't wait to see the transitions. I don't even go outside. Uh, (laughs) That's that's true. I've gone outside like six times in the past ten months. 
Hmm. Maybe it's very few thinking. of those. The sun was up. I don't know. I had a fever. You could ask fever me, but um, <laughs> she's kind of busy not being here. Good. That's good. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see when the other three pairs arrive. One of them is a pair of prescription safety glasses. Nice. Which is a great idea and because the goggles don't ever fit. No, but, no, they don't. But Fever Me had that idea? Fever You was thinking ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so that's that's how my recent past <laughs> has gone. I uh, did a lot of sleeping. Sleeping is And good. stretched out Christmas celebrations for several days because I slept through Christmas. <laughs> it should be stretched out. It was fine. Cats didn't care. Right. They weren't mad about opening their stockings two days late. Cats are good like that. Well, they also didn't know there was anything in the stockings. <laughs> they might have been less good otherwise. That's true. That's but, true. yeah. So that's where I'm at. Yay. That is awesome. So did you get, what did you get? Did you get anything good? Oh, wait. You know what? Before we even jump into that, I have an idea. What's that? I think that it would be a good time to thank all of our um, fantastic Curiosity Shop members over on Patreon. Mm-hmm. And we should give a totally normal and not at all creepy Welcome huh. to our newest member, Beth Weaving. Hello, Beth. Yay. Welcome to the chaos. Also, a special thanks to Valerie jo- Jones for moving up a tier. And hi, Connie. And yes, hello, Connie. Hello. So, yes, yes you're the best. And we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods with you at at night in the dark yes and if it's snowing i'll be wearing those glasses because they sound like a good idea i think that would be really helpful if you were running from something (laughs) terrifying in a graveyard (laughs) so there there you go those are my helpful hints for surviving in a graveyard at night good hints good hints so yes when you finally got around to celebrating, what'd you get? Uh-huh. What'd you get? What'd you get? Well, so apparently my family, though they did not coordinate, <laughs> seems to have all gotten together and settled on a theme. Um which happened to be nature intersecting with magic. Ooh. Which is really fun, and I'm here for it. Um, So the first thing that I got that I'm super excited about is a candle-making kit. Um, I've been making rolled beeswax candles, but this is the whole container that you um that's made to put in a double boiler Uh and with the thermometers like the the actual doing it there's the dye the the whole bit of nonsense (laughs) so i got that and 
to go with it, I also got um, The Book of Candle Magic Ooh. by Madame Pamita, which is really cool and has an entire chapter on making your own magical candles. Uh, so sounds amazing. Yeah, so I'm excited. And I will go into that quite a bit more on next week's Patreon episode. So, Yay. you know, if you want to hear about that. I do. Um, all right. So you know how we've talked about Victorians and flowers a lot. Yes. Yes, we have. Okay. So we've already discussed floriography by Jessica Rue. Yes which is what we used for our segment on the language of flowers, which is season one, episode 12, Flowers But Not in the Attic, <laughs> uh, if you want to go back and have a listen. But I got a new dictionary or encyclopedia, they are called both apparently, of flower symbolism, called The Complete Language of Flowers, A Definitive and Illustrated History by S. Teresa Dietz. Ooh. Yes. And so the books are very, very different. Um, and so I'll compare those just a bit, but to sort of sprinkle in a bit more whimsy, I also got Folk Magic and Healing, An Unusual History of Everyday Plants Ooh. by Fez Inkright, which is a great, if it's a pen name, it's right. a really good one. It is. Um, if it's an actual name, clearly they were meant to write books. Yes. Yes. So... That book is especially cool because it brings in the lore surrounding the meanings. And so all of them together make for a really strange and interesting prance through the world of plants and magic and symbolism. And so... The, um, the Folk Magic and Healing book is just a super satisfying book, like, just to hold. Yeah. It's a nice hardcover book with a good texture, and it's got gold leaf on it, Ooh. and it looks like it's filled with magic, and, like, it's one of those books that you look at it and... You didn't even really care what's inside right. because because you just you have to have it. Yes. So so that it it's just very charming. Um, so to start playing around with all three of them, I decided to look up some of the same plants in all 
three of them to see what they had to say and to see how those how they intersected and so i'll yes. i'll share a few with you so the first one obviously has to be deadly nightshade of course <laughs> um otherwise known as belladonna yes. because how could you not that is that is just what you need to do and I do believe that we did that on sorry I am I am juggling books I do believe we did that one on the actual um, flower symbolism I think you're correct episode. well we've definitely talked about Bella we have we absolutely have lots of times <laughs> um, alright so in the floriography book which to me the whole feel of that book is sort of polite messages and possible passive aggression <laughs> um and the so it's the midwest of books <laughs> yes kind of uh and the complete language of flowers seems like more of a threat than a promise. <laughs> yep. So, um, in comparison, this is what floriography has to say about belladonna. Its meaning is silence. Um, the origin is belladonna, also called deadly nightshade. It's one of the most toxic plants on earth. It was commonly used by the Romans as a poison, causing death and thus silencing the victim forever. Additionally, the genus Atropa is named for the Greek goddess Atropos, the oldest of the three fates known for cutting the thread of life, ending the lives of mortals. So that's cool. Nothing subtle about that. That, that is a thing. <laughs> no. And now... We move on to the complete language of flowers, which is a bit more concise and also really pleasantly has a skull and crossbones hmm. next to every entry that's poisonous. Nice. So just in case. That's a good visual. You, yeah. you need to know. Yep. Yeah. All right. So apparently Belladonna has about... A million different names. Um, one of my favorite, aside from Deadly Nightshade, is Naughty Man's Cherries. <laughs> yes. According to this book, it symbolizes falsehood, hush, loneliness, silence, warning. <laughs> Yes, as opposed to just silence. Um, but this is where we get into my favorite part of the Complete Language of Flowers book, which is the Possible Powers section. Oh, okay. And I want to start out by saying I read this completely incorrectly the first time hmm. and you will understand why it is why it is strange okay so the possible 
powers of the belladonna plant and these are magical powers yes are astral projection oh hallucinations hallucinatory witch flight ooh and visions and now i want you to know that after well researching this for hours I had misread hallucinatory witch flight, which I understand how that happens. You know, mm-hmm. the old broomstick up the lady parts. Um, I thought it said hallucinatory witch fight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> and like, that is really specific. Yes. I just really specific so all and so i spent sounds like a hell of a saturday night right (laughs) yeah so all right now we will go to the charming folk magic and healings thoughts on belladonna which (laughs) includes a quote from keats no, no, go not to leave, neither twist wolf's bane, tight-rooted for its poisonous wine, nor suffer thy pale forehead to be kissed by nightshade. That is John Keats, Ode on Melancholy. I, well, no one's surprised. <laughs> okay, so just as the name suggests, deadly nightshade is not the sort of plant to be looked to for healing. Before the Middle Ages, it was used as an anesthetic for surgery. However, it was just as likely that a patient would die from the sedative as from their injuries. And as soon as a more reliable alternative came about, physicians quickly abandoned it. Before it gained its reputation as a poison, it was commonly used by Venetian ladies to dilate their pupils, a sign of beauty at the time, which we um, now know was uh, wait, consumption? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you wanted to look like you were on death's door. <laughs> so... Just have kids. A sign. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Um, So, a sign of beauty at the time, though over the years, its regular use would lead to blindness. It is this use that gave the plant its formal name, Belladonna, meaning beautiful lady. As it began to gather a reputation for bringing death, so too did the lore around it. It is claimed to be the favorite plant of the devil who cultivates it and watches over it closely to ensure that no one steals it from him. However, should you wish to pluck it, then you can do so on Walpurgisnacht, which is April 30th, um, after first releasing a black hen, since the devil will run from such an animal. I do not know why the devil is afraid of black hens, but let's just go with it. So, Walpurgisnacht. Why can you pick Belladonna on Walpurgisnacht and 
not have the devil interfere? I have to say I'm a bit unclear by that. Um, I know what Walpurgisnacht Nacht is. It's the evening of the feast of St. Walpurga, who was known for being especially great at repelling witches and or evil, and also providing miraculous cures. She died in 777 CE, but apparently her body still produces a healing oil that gets handed out to Christian pilgrims still today huh. uh, if they visit her. Uh, but as these things often go, they couldn't just stop at appreciating the saint who liked to heal and protect people. No. Right. During yeah, during the Renaissance, tradition held that witches also held a Sabbath on that same evening mm. where their power was at its height. And so they would light things on fire to scare them away. And some places sort of completely gave up on connecting it to the saint and just called it Hexenacht, ah. which is witch night. Um, Night of the Witches. But, um, and those places play loud music and set off fireworks to scare evil spirits away. So, from what I gather, all of these things plus the saint and, like, the fires and the explosions and the loud music and all of that stuff is enough to keep the devil away so you can harvest deadly nightshade only on April 30th, which happens to be the day before Beltane, which is May Day, yes. which happens to be all about getting it on. Nice. Yeah, and so I feel like this is just another one of those times where... People were like, nope, nope, gotta, gotta scare the evil away. The evil, the evil comes for your pants tomorrow. <laughs> it comes for your pants. And we better, better scare it away. Light everything on fire. Bring out the black chickens. Like... Bring out the black chickens. Yeah, I don't know. So I just thought that was sort of fun going through. So that's, all that's early spring books. break is what we're talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you know, you gotta wrap something around that maple. <laughs> you might as well start with some naughty man's cherries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it makes you look like a beautiful lady yeah. and very sexy. You can't I, see yeah. anything, but maybe that's for the best. Yeah, and so the funny thing is... Like, I can see how they got from one thing to the next thing. It's just almost impossible to see how they got from where it started to where it ended. I'm still real confused about the desire to just keep a poor dead body alive and make it produce oil. and. Like... Oh, it's not supposed to be alive. Well, but, you know, it, it, why do we keep fucking with the dead? Like, why can't we just let them be? Well, from what I can tell, the whole cr in the 
resting place, reliquary, I suppose, since she's a saint, uh, formed, and it just is. I don't trust. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're doing anything to the body. Okay. I think the body is just chilling, producing this holy God knows what. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe at this point we've gone the way of holy water where the nuns who are tending to it just have to bless some random oil. I don't know. Um, but it's supposed to have come from her. Okay. I, and you? Yeah. But also, whatever. She was supposed to have some pretty fantastical curing powers and keep evil and witches away. Hey, if it gives so, you hope, that's cool. Whatever. Like, you do you yep. on witches' night. <laughs> we'll do us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so... The next thing that I wanted to look at was jasmine, because it is my favorite scent. I love jasmine tea very much. Mm. We used to get, uh, when I lived in California, there was a Vietnamese noodle house. And for like five or six dollars, you got a giant bowl of soup and a pot of jasmine tea. Yum. And it was, yeah. And so to this day it's actually uh one of my eldest's favorite tea my both my girls are tea drinkers but that yeah, she really likes jasmine it is a good yeah, smell too too yeah jasmine tea is it it just makes me happy yes it's whenever it's happening it is a happy tea <clears throat> all right so back to floriography which tends to be kind of nice about it jasmine Amiability. Cheerfulness. Jasmine's light and lovely scent, along with its elegantly shaped blooms, perfectly convey amiability and cheerfulness. I am not sure how those shapes convey amiability and cheerfulness, but okay. Um, It's often used in weddings and celebrations, especially in the Philippines, Pakistan, and Indonesia, where it is a native plant. All right. So that's what that has to say. Now, let's dive back into the complete language of flowers. The symbolic meaning. Amiability, cheerfulness, folly, glee, material wealth, modesty, timidity, and wealth. Hmm. The possible powers are business, divination, dream magic, emotions, expansion, fertility, generation, honor, inspiration, intuition, leadership, love, money, politics, power, prophetic dreams, psychic ability, public acclaim, responsibility, royalty, see, subconscious mind, success, tides, travel by water, and wealth. So just that? <laughs> That's a long list. Also, I'm confused because I don't often think to connect 
amiability and timidness with politics. <laughs> Maybe you're using it against ah. your foe to produce such an effect. Ah, I don't know. There you go. Um, Distract but with the gist. Then, then it adds just nicely at the end. Jasmine flowers attract spiritual love. The fragrance of jasmine flowers help to promote sleep. Hmm. So does Belladonna, as it turns out. <laughs> jasmine, however, not permanent. Is not uh, well. Also, it's not poisonous. Yes. <laughs> um, I suppose most things are if you over really try. But okay. So, Queen Anne's Lace, I thought, would be another fun one yes. to look at, since it is connected to bobbin lace, yes. which I personally make. So, let me find the actual page. Uh, ah. It's just very pretty. Isn't it? It is. In the, like, isn't it the carrot family? Yes, it's actually um, Draucus Karata, and it can be known as the common carrot. Everything sounds cooler Latin. I mean, yeah. (laughs) All right, so floriography. The meaning is sanctuary. The lacy fronds of Queen Anne's lace fold together in a shield or nest-like shape, providing sanctuary and protection for their inhabitants. It's often called bird's nest for this reason. I like that. It is sweet. All right. (laughs) You have to be a really tiny bird. Now, let's refer to the complete language of flowers, (laughs) shall we? Something tells me it's not as sweet. (laughs) Symbolic meanings. Do not refuse me. (laughs) Fantasy. Haven. Sanctuary. Mm. Its possible powers include fertility and lust. Yes. And now, this book has a slightly different take on the origin of of Queen Anne's lace as an item um, or as a flower as connected to Queen Anne. Okay. All right. So Queen Anne's lace is named so after England's Queen Anne, who is a renowned expert lace maker. One dreadful superstition is that if someone picks... Dracus Karata then brings it into their home, their mother will die. Another suspicion is that if a woman who is true to herself plants Dracus Karata in her garden, the plant will thrive. Huh. All right. So, we've got those opinions. I think it's time to pull out folk magic and healing. I'm just really glad my mom's still alive because we used to pick that stuff all the time as kids and bring it up. 
Did you know that a visually extremely similar plant uh, to Queen Anne's lace is one of the most powerful poisons? Yes, you have to check underneath because one has Mm -hmm. the... um, Yes, yes, yes. There's like that difference underneath. One has like a little thingy underneath and the other one doesn't, right? I don't remember exactly, but it is... But yes. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's see what folk magic and healing has to say. Queen Anne's Lace. And here we turn to mount that hill down which the wild brook tumbles. And like today, that day was still and soft wind swayed the umbles. Of these wild carrots, lawny gray and their deep dappled orus. An orchard stretched, and in our way, dropped ripened fruit before us. Which is uh, Madison Julius Cowine. Hmm. One day and another. I. It kind of lines up with fertile. Yep. All right. So, this is what the book has to say about the folklore, and this is, for the record, the folklore that I know about Queen Anne's Lace and what I would have said if I were just going to talk about it out of nowhere. So, Queen Anne's Lace is one of the folk names for Draucus Karata, the wild carrot. The tale that gives these delicate flowers their name is as follows. Queen Anne was known to be an expert lace maker, and she once challenged the ladies of her court to produce a lace as lovely and intricate as the Draucus. No one could produce such a thing, not even the queen, who pricked her finger during the attempt, causing a drop of blood to fall to the center of her lace. In sympathy, the flower now grows a single dark pink flower in the center of its umbels. In keeping with its namesake, it is said that the wild carrot will thrive in the garden of a woman who is true to herself. Got that. All right. So there's some, there's some overlap. There is. It's, it's interesting looking at three different obviously researched sources yeah well because you do have to pick and choose what you say about a topic mm -hmm. you can't really ever cover all of it very true i mean like in a podcast but i remember also when we were talking in uh the episode that um like any language there's colloquialisms so mm-hmm. what it meant in one area might have been different in a different area. Um, but I definitely am still on board for bringing back coded flower messages and threats. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I've just got a, a couple more that I thought were, well, they tie into some of the handmade things that I have and also some of the things that our witchier listeners will connect to and 
then I will be done with my prance <laughs> through the world of floral fuckery. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I have too many tabs and too many literal tabs, like actual sticky note <laughs> tabs. There we go. All right. So, I wanted to look specifically at folk magic and healing for a couple of the more witchy items mm -hmm. just because I I think it's interesting to tie that in to the meanings that we have for certain things now and where they came from. And so because I use a Rowan wand in my witchcraft practice. Ah, yes. I um, decided to take a stroll through Rowan, which is known to protect against witches, but is also used in powerful magic. So, it it's a little confused. <laughs> but it's also, it also involves the good folk, so that's fine. Yes. All right. So, Rowan. There's a lake so clear and bright, stars shine out of it all night. Rowan berries round it spread like a belt of coral red. That is Henry Van Dyke, the ruby-crowned kinglet. Associated with the second month of, Agam, or of the Agam calendar, Rowan is one of the most sacred trees in the Celtic folk tradition. And it's... Oh, sorry. And it is frowned upon to use the timber, bark, or any other part of the tree except for sacred purposes. The color red, especially when found in nature, is believed to be the most powerful of all colors, hence the common use of red thread or cloth in charms, and the rowan's bright red berries have long marked it out as a truly magical tree. A cross of rowan tied with red thread is said to protect against witches, and if you feared that witches were likely to curdle your cream, stirring it with a stick of rowan would stop this from happening. To add to its long list of magical properties, Wine made from the berries was also said to grant a second sight. Ooh. It is also called Lady of the Mountain. The tree is found in abundance on high ground, often growing from tiny crevices in cliffs and rocks. And due to the hardy conditions that it grows in, is seen as a symbol of tenacity. It's also called Thor's Helper, as North... Norse myth claims that it was a rowan tree that once saved the life of the god Thor by reaching down and saving him from drowning in a river. The tree is often affiliated with a female essence, and North mythology tells that the first woman was formed from a rowan, whereas the first man came from the ash. Which I kind of like. Yeah, I do too. Um... The tree was once known as the Tree of the Bards, as sitting beneath it would bring inspiration to any man lacking in it. It is one of the trees associated with St. Bridget, 
the Celtic patroness of the arts, spinning, and weaving. Musical instruments and spinning wheels were often made from rowan wood to invoke St. Bridget's approval, which is one of the reasons that I chose it as my wand. That makes perfect Um, sense. Yes, and it is said that if you were to weave a branch of rowan into the timber of your boat, no storm would upset it, nor man be drowned on it. However, in Iceland, it is believed that juniper and the rowan tree are close companions, and that if a boat's timbers included rowan, it must also include juniper, or it would likely sink. Oh, okay. All right, so rowan's got a lot going on. Um, Rowan is... A very magically powerful plant, no matter what side of the craft you might be on. Rowan is just badass. Um, I didn't realize how badass Rowan was. Oh, yeah. Rowan's great. Um, And one of my favorite things about the Rowan tree itself that none of the books that I looked in mentioned is that the marks on the underside of rowan berries form a pentagram, which is a powerful symbol of protection. Right. And so that is very cool. That is. Um, It is also connected to the good folk or those with whom we shall not fuck. Yes. No fucking with them at all. Yeah. Rule number one. So, my Rowan Wand, man, it's a, it's a force to be reckoned with. That's amazing. Or not to be reckoned <laughs> with. I don't recommend reckoning with it. Right. No. And now, to close off with something that pretty much every witch has in her garden, or his garden, or their garden, all of the gardens. All of the Yes. Rosemary. Yes. There's rosemary that's for remembrance. Pray, love, remember. And there is pansies. William Shakespeare, (laughs) Hamlet, Act 4, Scene 5. Okay, pansies and rosemary. Yeah. Also known as compass weed, incensier, and pilgrim's flower, tame rosemary thrives best when a woman is in charge of the household, and it is said to wither and die if she moves away. It is an excellent incense and purifier. When burned, it drives away evil spirits and negativity, and when stored next to other dried herbs, it cleanses them of negative influence. At heart, it is a household herb, Rosemary grown or dried and hung by a doorpost will deter would-be thieves. And when hung in twigs above a bed, it is also protection against spirits. In Ireland, it was hung to protect a child from being stolen by fairies and replaced with a changeling child. Mm. In the Middle Ages, it was a popular Christmas strewing herb... Uh, as it would release its scent, the more that it was walked upon. And Christmas wasn't celebrated like Christmas is now in the Middle Ages. And if you're not familiar with strewing herbs, they are what you would throw down in 
like the great hall of a castle to like instead of straw or something because everybody was tracking in god knows what and then you could clean that up and put down fresh and having something that smelled nice would have helped a lot with that so um it has long been associated with memory and remembrance not only was it often thrown into a grave to ensure that a person would not be forgotten but in ancient greece students would braid rosemary into their hair to help them with their studies which i love Hmm. we are a fan of the rose of rosemary we have rosemary mint shampoo here that is a nice standard in our house And yet another plant said to help bring about love, a popular charm to bring romance to your doorstep, was to tie three sprigs of rosemary together with red thread and place the sprigs under your doormat. Alternately, to bring or keep love in the bedroom, you could place the bound sprigs beneath the mattress. So let's all uh, go try that out. Load up on the rosemary, people. Indeed. So, that concludes my little jaunt through the world. Oh, flowers meets magical traditions. That is wonderful. What great presents. That's great. Yeah. Aren't they cool? They're very, very cool. In fact... Mm-hmm. One of the presents I got for Christmas um, was an amazing giant bouquet of flowers from my friend mm-hmm. Diana. And I wonder, what does it really mean? Also a strong uh, goddess name. Yes. Diana. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And she is a strong goddess of a lady. Um, and All right. So... Natalie texted me a photo I did of this particular bouquet and so I'm gonna let you pick which book am I going to look in between floriography and the complete language of flowers I'm gonna go complete language of flowers I thought you might (laughs) All right. Wait, shit, that one's in Latin. Hold on, I'm going to have to uh, oh, no! look up Latin names. That's all right. There we go. <clears throat> Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They're highly poisonous. <clears throat> all right. So, daisies. Also known as the garden daisy, the English daisy, the moon daisy, and the wild daisy are Bellis perennis. They are poisonous. Really? The symbolic meaning is beauty, beauty and innocence, cheer, childlike playfulness, contempt for worldly goods, creativity, decisions, do you love me? Faith, forever young attitude, Gentleness, gentleness on behalf of both giver and recipient. Happy-go-lucky, I partake 
your sentiments. I share your sentiments. I will think of it. I'll never tell. Innocence, loyal love, purity, simplicity, simplify, strength, and you have as many virtues as the daisy has petals. <laughs> okay. Great. And yeah, so magically, um, daisies are great for divination, for love, and heightened awareness. See also love and lust. Ooh. Yeah. So, uh, let's let's see about these roses. Holy fuck. Oh boy. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. So, we're going to start with the symbolic meanings of roses broadly, and then we're going to get specific with the color. Okay. Because they went there. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, balance, beauty, carrier of secrets and understanding, divination, equilibrium, healing, hope, and passion, love, luck, magic, messenger of love, passion, perfection, protection, psychic powers, strength through silence, and ultimate beauty. Ooh. All right, so I think between the daisies and the roses, we've got a lot of a lot of love, a lot of happiness, and a lot of psychic shit. Nice. Um. <clears throat> all right, so let's find the specific color meaning. So I would call that. Dark pink. Would you call that dark pink? I would call that like a dark pink, yeah. Alright. Dark pink means thank you. Oh. Full stop. And it's funny because <laughs> the term thank you was in the note that came with it. <clears throat> hmm. Alright. Carnations. I love carnations. Like, they're not the prettiest of flowers, but they smell really good. I agree. I think they get kind Ooh, of a bad rep. That's interesting. Yeah. Their Latin name is uh, Dianthus. <gasps> I got Dianthus from Diana. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> oh, good. They, they also have a breakdown of color meanings here nice. as well. So, carnations, symbolic meaning. <laughs> Admiration, bad luck, uh -oh. bonds of affection, dignity, disappointed, disdain, distinction, fascination, good fortune, good luck, gratitude, health and energy, heavenly, joy and commitment, love, misfortune, Pride, pride in beauty, pure and deep love, pure love, self-esteem, strength, true love, woman's love. Aw, lady love. Which I like. Yes. I like. Ah, all right. So, <clears throat> let's, uh, see if we can get more specific. With the color. 
Alright. So... This is also... A... Dark... Pink, right? Right, white with dark really? pink tips. Alright, so the pink itself is... A mother's love, a woman's love, always on my mind, deep love, I'll never forget you, sentimental love. And so, if you have that in a striped pattern, then that indicates no. No. Refusal, regret that love cannot be reciprocated, rejection, sorry, I can't be with you. <laughs> um, it's possible powers <laughs> are divination, healing, luck, protection, and strength. All right. I think that carnations are a little confused. Yep. Because they're like, we're not pretty, but we smell All good. Right. So, chrysanthemums. Oh, might help if I spelled it right. <laughs> it's a tricky one. Yeah, I was just leaving out the H. All right. Chrysanthemum. One moment. Chrysanthemum, a heart left to desolation, Oof. abundance, abundance and loveliness, abundance and wealth, cheerfulness, cheerfulness and rest, cheerfulness in adversity, fidelity, happiness, loneliness, optimism, promotes mental health, wealth, and you're a wonderful friend. Most of those are pretty good. Now, yeah, and so specific color meanings. They do not have green, so I'm going to go with yellow. <laughs> Which is um, imperial or scorned in love. Oh, scorned. And its possible powers are protection. Full stop. A lot of protection going on. I can dig yeah. that. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the common theme in all of these uh, was friendship and good luck and, like, positive shit. Yeah. Yay. Like, general love. I can hang with that. That's how I'm reading this book, okay? I'm, I'm not even getting started on that ribbon because <laughs> plaid, that is just too much for me. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that is Whew. lovely. I, that was a lot. It was. <laughs> I also got some magical beans, my favorite magical beans, otherwise known as coffee. Um, mm. And my twinsy Courtney, who is one of our Curiosity Shop members, uh, sent me Hi, Courtney. some Dutch Brothers coffee, and just opening the box made me so happy. So happy. It smells so mm. good. 
Um, and another thing that I have in our show notes um, that I also put a picture of was my friend Laurel, Laurel Sulfate, um, in addition to being a kick-ass musician, she has a band called Laurel Sulfate and her Ladies of Leisure. Uh, she's also a very good artist, and she does um, these wonderful moon paintings. And so um, I had pur- I purchased for myself with some money that I received for Christmas uh, a set of her postcards. They're four by six. And they're the Zodiac Ruling Planet postcards. Cool. And I'm going to frame them and hang them in my room um, near my altar because I think they're amazing. And so, I, so yeah. So that was another thing cool. that I got for Christmas. I didn't get anything creepy. Um, and even if I did get anything creepy, I didn't get anything nearly as creepy as the creepiest of presents that I have stumbled down and found. Um, You'll eventually get something creepy from me. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> There's a. Uh, yeah, I've received some creep in my time. Um, but I don't. I have some creep to send you specifically. Yay! And have for an entire season. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> uh, so I, I have. Uh, I took a little jaunt, a, a quick prance. Down some of the creepiest gifts given. Um, Not necessarily for Christmas specifically, but just in general. And uh, the first was, uh, so there is, uh, there's actually quite a few notorious books that are bound in human flesh. But how many of them were given as gifts? Just got a whole book on that. Nice. So James Allen alias George Walton, which I kind of think it should be George Walton alias James Allen because the book (laughs) has Walton on it versus Allen. Either way, dude was like a petty thief. And there's some interesting uh, twists and turns in terms of exactness um, in this story. But generally, he was he was orphaned at a very young age. He grew up on his own mm-hmm. in, you know, totally unfriendly world. We're talking like the early 1800s. Uh, and as if being orphaned wasn't bad enough, uh, he was first imprisoned in October of 1824 at the ripe old age of 15 for stealing a bundle of cloth. That would then kick off... Uh, a life of spending uh, just most of it in and out of, of different jails. and But each time that he was in jail, he would read books. He would learn trades. Like, he got along with everyone. Everybody thought he was super cool. But as soon as he got out, he would ret- return directly to, like, burglaring and highway robbery. And Well, did he have any other options? Right, and ended back in there, which makes total sense two ways number one just to survive and then number two having no family or friend structure i mean there's even now with our lovely you know prison industrial complex people end up back in because they don't know how they're not prepared to live in the outside world so no i mean no money no place to live no job how how are you gonna feed yourself exactly Um, i'm probably gonna shoplift right from the grocery store so, yeah. 
the poor peanut eventually died of tuberculosis. That is a cardinal the... rule, kids. Yes. If you see someone shoplifting food. You didn't. You did not. Right. See anything. Exactly. Um, Nobody shoplifts food for fun. Right. Exactly. Um, so eventually he died of tuberculosis at the state prison in Charlestown, Massachusetts. Before he died, though, he decided to tell the story of his life to the prison's ward and asked him to write it down. Um, he also made, like, a super unusual request. Alan asked that enough of his skin be tanned to provide bindings for two copies of this memoir, writes Stephen Z. Nunnock in Acquired Tastes, an account of the Boston's Ath. Athenium's collection, Athenomians, that. It's a lot of vowels in there. That collection. That's where the book is right now. Um, one copy of the book was to go to his doctor, and the other was to, <laughs> to go to John Fenno Jr., one of Alan's victims. Now, another story that I read called Fenno a detective. Wait, what? <laughs> Right. Uh, it's, it's a little confusing, but he like, considered... is he literally returning a pound of flesh? Pretty much. But he considered Fenno to be the only man who had ever stood up to him. Uh, and a, oh, a, okay. So a, and a sufficient piece of his skin was removed from Alan's back and taken to a local tannery where it was then treated to look like a gray deer skin and finally delivered into the hands of a bookbinder. Uh, you can view the book and read the text at the Athenamium's website, which I've included a link to. Um, it's not particularly long. Um, I just know that uh, that's a real interesting way to, like, I, I would like to know why, why, why. Like, I get the actual book thing, but going so far as to have it tanned also, I find it really interesting that... Um, well, you'd have to have it tanned. Right. If you were going to do that. Right. But I just also find it super interesting that uh, that they did this for him. I mean, can you imagine if <laughs> if somebody was like, hi, yeah, I know I've spent my entire life in this jail. Uh, and and what year was this? This was in the 1800s, the early 1800s. All right. So you're not too far removed from people like, Stealing things off of corpses in public hangings. True. And stuff like that. True, true, true. So, I mean, also, that's just a weird-ass request. Right. I feel like, like, say it were us. Yeah. Like, you're the jailer, I'm the tanner, which is hilarious because I'm vegan. (laughs) Um, So, you're like, hey. This guy wants this done. And I'm like, that's weird as shit. Let's do it. Yeah, right? (laughs) Sure, why not? So, I don't know. I also wonder why the other one was for his doctor. Like, did he have the same doctor? Like, I have questions. I have a lot of questions on this one. Um, Well, doctors not infrequently had anthropomorphic bibliopathy. That makes sense. Um, And I guess if you're going to... If you're going to write a memoir, I mean, what more badass way to bind it than in your own flesh? Yeah. And I don't know if this particular story is in um, uh, Megan Rosenblum's book 
what's it called dark archives um we are i'm not getting paid to talk about this uh (laughs) i just happen to have gotten a copy of the book and i'm excited to read it but it's all about anthropomorphic bibliopagy or anthropodermic bibliopagy i'm willing to bet it's in there i'm excited i'll be excited to hear it's an entire book about books made of human skin yes yes so books are not the only thing gift wise that has made made out of human flesh um and no no no, uh, Ed Gein will tell you otherwise. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's what I was about to say. And uh, and I don't know which came first in this situation, um, but there's uh, and there's a few different stories about this next fleshy gift. Uh, they're all really intriguing, and I've definitely added the book written about it to my reading list. Uh, but whatever the motive and whatever, uh, whether it was from like an abandoned house in New Orleans or a store, like that seems to be like the the origin of the actual, the actual origin of the lamp and where it was purchased. <laughs> there is seems to be. a house <laughs> in New Orleans. Yeah. And it, apparently that's where the uh, unique lampshade was purchased. But so Skip Henderson uh, acquired this really weird looking lampshade. Uh, that he found for all of $35. And at the time, all he knew was that it was made of a material that was thin and yet had like a really strange texture and it wasn't something that he'd ever seen before. So over the next two days after he got it, he kind of began researching what the shade could be made from. Um, And this is like in the 2000s. So this is, um, I want to say that the book about it was written in like 2013. Um, but, uh, when he started realizing that it, it, it might just be made out of human flesh, he decided to nope the fuck out of it and do what any good friend would do. He gifted it to his reporter friend, just packed it Sweet. up and was like, hi, here, congratulations, you now have this. And that's how Mark Jacobson ended up with it. Uh, whether he wanted it or not, Skip didn't really give him a friggin' chance on that. So Mark went on to research the lampshade and determined... I mean, human skin looks like human skin. It does. And looking at the picture, I've been like, <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's some genus. That's, yeah. It, mm-hmm. There's no doubt mm-hmm. when you look at it to me, but I'm weird. Uh, so the, um, Mark went on to research uh, the lampshade and he did indeed determine that it was human flesh. But whose and how the lap actually came about, well, I'm going to have to read that book, and so will you, to find that out, because there's a bunch of different theories um, floating around. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I did include a link to the New York Magazine excerpt from the book, and mm-hmm. just that excerpt involves all kinds of goodness, including a Dominican spiritualist working out of a basement in Union City, New, York, New Jersey, named Doña Argentina that's described as a large woman wearing a ceremonial headdress and smoking a pair of cigars, one on either side of her mouth. And I have never, ever wanted to visit Union City more than I do now and give her a a visit because, oh my gosh, she sounds amazing. I mean, that's what the path trains for. And she... So she, it's, it's a really, just that excerpt's really... That is the train that goes into New Jersey. Nice. New York. 
Uh, so I just that excerpt that actually makes you. me want to read it. So that uh, that is gift number two. And as we are speaking of flesh, I have found that celebrities have gotten some really weird gifts over the years. In 2013... Jared Leto was re- revealed that the strangest gift he has ever received from a fan uh, was, and I quote, someone cut their ear off once and sent it to me. That was very strange. A whole ear. The Van Gogh move, he told XFM's Bill Clinton. The Van Gogh move. Yes. The note just said, are you listening? I never knew who it was. Who's missing their ear out there? I poked a hole in it and wore it as a necklace. So sweet. Props for honoring it. Looking for something a little deeper than flesh? I mean, <laughs> are you listening? Is that stalker move? Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty stalker. I, I, a whole freaking ear. <laughs> Just, yeah, that uh, that yeah. combination. If is, that had been sent to a woman. All manner of red flags yes. would uh, be waving high. Definitely. Uh, so something a little deeper than flesh, Norman Reedus of The Walking Dead and Boonock Saints fame keeps mm-hmm. receiving breast implants from fans. Norman Reedus told Page Six in a video that I've linked in the show notes, I've gotten a bunch of breast implants. Yeah, weird shit happens all the time. The weirdest breast implant was they had taken the fat out and wrapped it in saran wrap and put it in two separate boxes. That was weird. And I'll let you watch the video on your own for more weirdness because that's not the only thing he talks about. But I don't understand why you would send somebody your breast implants. I'm not. Did I ever tell you about thinking that an entire beach in new york city was filled with breast implants no but i would wow like just washed up ashore or were these these abandoned jellyfish yes (laughs) i was at this uh this it's not i i don't think it's a beach you're supposed to be at but um called fort tilden uh, which is next to a a military base that is no longer functioning. And all over the beach were just these jelly-looking blobs. And I truly thought that they were breast implants, that, like, someone had dumped medical waste. Yeah. Because this is the kind of place where you wore water shoes because needles. Yeah. Um, but, no. It turns out it was a jellyfish bloom. Yep, yep, yep. But I, being from the Great Lakes state, yep. had never experienced a jellyfish bloom. Yep. And let me tell you, they look just like silicone breast implants. They really do. They really, really do. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, weirdness has followed many stars. Ed, <laughs> Ed Sheehan had a fan that took Let Them Eat Cake to, like, a whole new friggin' level. According to him, one of the strangest gifts he ever received was from a fan that made a cake with a clump of their hair baked inside. 
the singer-songwriter told... That's not a cake. That's a spell. <laughs> right? That told Yahoo's OMG that he only realized that it contained a special ingredient because he he ate it. <laughs> he, like, dried a slice. Uh, someone cooked it in a cake, a big clump of hair, he said. Don't ask me how I found out. I I tried to eat it. I thought it it's very sweet to be you given a cake. Don't I shall eat, eat the cake. The food that a fan sends you. Right? Uh he you, said you, you don't even eat the thing that a fan gives you in person. Right? Uh you you, you just don't. He he <laughs> he said I have expected her to track me down and be like I'm inside you now. You know, be proper stalkerish. <laughs> yeah. So all I'm saying is that's a slow burn spell right there. Right. But my favorite creepy gift is mm-hmm. one that the celebrity not only requested, but then clearly showed that they could definitely be a part of the Bones and Bobbins Crafty Coven. Oh. Yes. So, known for being just a bit eccentric and wanting to stand out from the normal music crowd, Kesha has done things, some things that could be considered a bit creepy. She did break into Prince's house to have him listen to her music. So, it may not... You gotta do what you gotta do. This is what I'm saying. Uh, so, it may but not... But that's a compound. <laughs> that's not just a house. It's pretty... Right. It's pretty, I mean... Paisley Park's pretty intimidating. So, I mean, serious fucking props to her. So, it may not seem too out of character for Kesha to request something strange from her friends. In this case, she asked them to send her teeth, real teeth, in the hopes that she could make something out of them while she was in rehab recovering from an eating disorder. Kesha told... uh, (laughs) A UK publication. That is a really strange and specific thing to want. Right? For that. And I I have a history with disordered eating. So when I laugh at that, it is not at anyone. Like, this is a world I know. But, huh. It's a little ironic. It's a little ironic. That's just symbolic. Yeah. And, like... 47 different levels and I can't even figure out what all of them are. Oh. But I'm sure that they exist. It gets better. So Kesha told the UK publication Female First that she was able to fashion a bra, a headdress, and earrings out of the thousand plus teeth that she received. I asked them to send me their teeth and I got like over a thousand human teeth, she explained. I made into a bra top and a headdress, and earrings, and necklaces that I've worn out. She said she took on the project in order to feel connected to her fans. I love them. I call them my family, my animals, she said. And I think that's pretty freaking amazing. I want to see. I do, too. I'm going to have to look up and see if I can find some photos of the, um, of the items made of teeth. But this just gave me, like, a whole new love for Kesha. <laughs> because... I, I just... Huh. That's a lot of hot well, glue. I, I'm trying to find 
Hmm. Harder to find than you would think. For something that weird. Oh. <laughs> Did we find that? I, I think I found the headdress. Nice. We could send her an email and be like, hi. Like, hey, we're very creepy. Let's let's talk. Yeah, we dig this. Can we see photos, please? Wow. There's a lot going on there. That's some serious and art I... therapy. Ooh. She talked uh, about it to Teen Vogue, apparently. Ooh. Oh, Kesha has her own jewelry collection. Does it involve teeth? Uh, it looks kind of like it does. Nice. Um, this is in 2013. Apparently uh, all the good shit just happened in 2013. Yeah, they are called... Ooh. The cannibal pieces are very special to me. Okay. Um, yeah, this is... I have fans that send me their own teeth so I can wear them as jewelry. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, oh, I... I interesting. <laughs> I'd wear that. Nice. So that... That, dearies, is uh, my quick little prance through really weird gifts that people have given. Wow. <laughs> that's... That's something. I mean, that's that's a... If you want a personal gift, yep. that is a, an extremely personal gift. It is. I mean, I just don't even... I don't even know what to say. It's a lot to process. After that. <laughs> Although I do feel like instead of being on the receiving end of a skill, uh, or skill, spell, Kesha is definitely on the casting side yeah. of one here. Right. Absolutely. Like, I don't give... Unless you trust someone an awful lot, don't give up pieces of your body to them. Yeah, yeah. I think we can safely add that to our list of rules somewhere. Like, keep... keep yeah. Just overall, keep your body parts to yourself. Unless it's, like, an organ yeah, donor situation. I think situation. that would be fine. Yep. That's another rule. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Another rule. And only send your hair to the people who truly love you and you truly love. Yes, yes. Don't, don't, and not via baked good. No, no. Just send a lot. Don't fuck with the cake. Come on now. It's cake. You get excited about it, and then you're going to put. Now I want some cake. Right? Damn it. Which brings <sighs> us to our weekly worst way to die. Ding, 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 ding. What you got for me this week? Well, I was thinking about it, and there are a lot of shitty ways to die from plants. There is. Lots of them. Yes. But I think the most surprising and terrifying way might be my rowan wand turning against me. Oof. 
that would suck. Yeah. Betrayed yeah. by your own wand. Yep. That's some Harry Potter shit going on. That is. That is. So, uh, kind of along the lines of Christmas presents, because both of my children got these facial sheet masks that are so popular. And also... I have never done one. Flesh. I just cannot seem to put them on my face correctly or I possibly have a weird shaped face but I can't and they're Mm. so full of goop my weekly worst way to die is accidental asphyxiation by facial sheet mask I last night I had we did one and like there was a nose flap and it kept when I breathe it would breathe it would suck into my nostrils and just it (laughs) but it had all kinds draws up there like if you were plaster casting your face right and but it had all kinds of wonderfully witchy properties to it and it made my face feel wonderful but like i am not the best at just being overall beauty orientated and then uh yeah it just yeah Accidental asphyxiation by facial sheet mask. Yeah, those uh, nose strips that you sort of cement to your face. That's oh, about the as close strips. as I get. Those are yeah fun. We have it, and I think, I think everyone. I just want to look at them. Exactly. I think every person that ever puts the nose strips on or gets the nose strip, their main goal. It's not even, like, the effect it has on your skin. They just want to see the strip after you pull that shit off. Because. Yep. It is yep. amazing. <laughs> yep. That is. That is completely true. Yep. Yep. I. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And on that really wholesome note. <laughs> Do you want to be spooky internet friends with us? I'm sure you do now. (laughs) We'll let you look at our pore strips. Uh, Our bones. I'll let you into the pod cabana. Yes. Uh, So we are Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Maybe not based on the last 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it pleases the internet gremlins, and that is how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls can find us and yes. then eventually hang out with you in our Patreon Facebook. Yes. Bring forth the morbid souls. And on yes. that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Lock your no. doors. And don't run with scissors. <laughs> Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content. <laughs>